0: I was given the subject of holiness to minister. Um, It's a subject that I have not taught on for quite a while. But the title of my message this evening is called Holiness, the Missing Ingredient in the Church. Holiness the missing ingredient in the church our text is taken of course from first Peter chapter 1 verses 15 and 16 let's read that together first Peter chapter 1 verses 15 and 16 for as he who called you is holy you also be holy in all your conduct Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. The King James says Version, in verse 15, But as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. In introducing my subject tonight, the subject of holiness, Let me say first of all that the Bible teaches that there are two kinds of holiness. The first holiness is referred to our born again nature which we received when we accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior. The Bible says that we were made holy in Christ your spirit man the inward man was reborn and recreated by the holy spirit and was made by god holy and that is a fact peter talks about this kind of holiness and he says in first peter 2 9 but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That's who you are in your spirit man. Your nature was changed miraculously by God when you were born again by the Word of God. You were made holy. And that is why Peter says, You are a holy nation. Say, I am part of the holy nation. Amen. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, the Apostle Paul reiterates this truth. Therefore, he says, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness humility, meekness, long-suffering. He addresses believers as holy and beloved. Paul writing to the believers in Ephesus. In Ephesus 4.23 says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. There it is again. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. As you can clearly see from all of these scriptures, Paul and Peter refer to our position of holiness in Christ. So in our spirit man, in our inward man, I repeat that because that's very important. You need to know who you are before you can walk in your identity. He says, we were made holy and righteous because of our union with Christ. The word of the Lord says, he who is joined unto the Lord is what? One spirit. Now the second holiness is referring to our character our conduct and behavior. And that is why Peter says in our foundational text be holy in all manner of conversation. That's the second kind of holiness. And this is the kind of holiness that I want to address tonight. Not your positional holiness, but your character, your conduct, your behavior. In short, Peter is saying, because you are holy, see that you walk in holiness. Amen. Yes. Because you are righteous, see that you walk in righteousness. Just there are two types of righteousness, there are also two types of holiness and I trust you understand where I'm coming from now often when I meet with a fellow pastor from time to time for fellowship over coffee I am asked the same question and this is the question that I am often asked brother Andrea what is God saying to you nowadays concerning the church what is the word of the Lord for the church Nowadays, I don't assume to know all that God is saying to the church. But I do believe that one of the things God is endeavoring to communicate to His church in this hour is the desperate need for holiness among His people. I want to bring a prophetic word today. It's not a soft word. But I believe it's the Word of the Lord for today, to His now church. Some time ago, I caught myself preaching to a crowd of people in my sleep. I don't know if you've had that experience. If you're a pastor, I'm sure you've experienced something like that. Your mind, your body sleeps, but your spirit is alive, is awake. Your spirit never sleeps. So I was preaching in my sleep to a crowd of people. As I was waking up from a deep sleep in the early hours of the morning, I heard myself say, we are facing a major crisis in the church today. And the crisis that we are facing is a terrible lack of men and women who are holy, surrendered to the Lord, consecrated to God to do His will at any cost. I went on to say the reason for our lack of power in the church is a lack of holiness. I want to say that again. The reason for our lack of power The devil is not afraid of words and noise and songs and all of that. But he's terrified of a man who is consecrated and devoted fully to God. The reason for our lack of power in the house of God is a lack of holiness. For where there is holiness, God's power Is always present. Can you say amen? Amen. By that time. I was fully awakened. And my preaching stopped abruptly. Because my mind took over. As believers in Christ. We may disagree. On many things. But one thing we cannot. Argue and disagree with or deny it is the fact that the church in our day and age has waxed lukewarm compromising indifferent toward the things of God Jesus said in Matthew 24 because lawlessness will abound the love of many will grow cold. Notice the word many. We are living in that day. Lawlessness is on the increase. All around us. And because of it Jesus said. Many will grow cold. Our passion for God. Is absent. Personal relationship. Intimacy with the Lord. Is almost non-existent. Reverence toward God. Reverence toward His Word. Is waning. As we witness the spirit. And the influence of this present world. Gaining more and more ground within the life of the church. Worldliness is a major cause for a lack of holiness. This compromise we are witnessing today in our churches has cost us dearly. Much more than we can afford to pay. And just as surely, Samson traded his strength, his glory, his authority, and supernatural power for a few hours with Delilah. Even so, the church has traded her glory, her power, her authority, for the love of this present world. It's that spirit that is so subtle and yet so destructive. Church, unconvinced that we need to discern the times in which we are living in. And pastors and prophets and apostles, we need to sound the alarm. We must blow the trumpet and warn God's people and proclaim God's urgent call in this hour of crisis. Isaiah prophetically cries out, and this is what he says in Isaiah 52, verse 1. Awake! Awake! And he's speaking to the church. And whenever we see the words awake in the scriptures... He's speaking about prayer, intimacy, fellowship with God, spiritual awakening. We are in desperate need of a spiritual awakening, a spiritual revolution. He says, put on your strength. When you spiritually awakened, you are strengthened with God's power. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem. Holy city. For the uncircumcised. And the unclean. Shall no longer come to you. When you are spiritually awakened. You cannot fellowship. With the world. You cannot love the world. And love God at the same time. For the love of the world. Tells me. That you do not love God. I'm talking about the mannerisms of the world. The opinions, the thoughts of the world. He says, when you're awakened, you put on your strength. When you're awakened, you put on your beautiful garments. When you're awakened, no longer will the uncircumcised or the sinner will stand before you without being convicted. Amen. I ask the question, to whom can we compare this generation of believers? The New Testament gives us an example. His name is Demas. Demas is a type of a backsliding church. You ever read about Demas in the New Testament? Yes. Paul with tears, I believe, in his eyes, writing to Timothy, his spiritual son, he says... For Demas has forsaken me. Why? Having loved this present world. And what was the result? He has departed for Thessalonica. Mm. The New Testament reveals the sad story of a disciple by the name of Demas who started his journey well but ended up terribly having made shipwreck of his faith. He worked closely with Paul in all his apostolic ministry and journeys, and he was mentioned twice in the Scriptures as a close associate among Paul, among Mark and Luke, together with Paul. You can read that in Colossians chapter 4, Philemon chapter 1. But the attraction, listen carefully, the attraction... And the love of this present world got the better of him. Causing him to forsake Paul, forsake the ministry, and walk away. And we're seeing so many today in the church. Many in the house of God today have been swallowed up literally by the glitter and the attraction of this present world allowing the hearts to grow cold towards the Lord and causing them to depart from the first love remember what the Lord said to the church in Ephesus I have seen your works, I know your patience and I know you've tried those that say they are apostles and found them to be false but I have this one thing against you you have left your first love. Who is our first love? The Lord himself. That passion, that zeal for the Lord, that fervent love that burns in our hearts for God and for his glory. You know, we still, we might be in the church, but those who have allowed the spirit of this age To come into their lives and into their hearts and embrace it. The hearts are far from the Lord. They are in church but the hearts are far from God. They do not share intimacy with God. You talk about intimacy and fellowship and prayer. And they don't understand what you are talking about. You ask a believer. I often ask what is the Lord saying to you nowadays? They are not hearing anything. Why? Lack of intimacy, lack of fellowship with the Holy Spirit, lack of studying the Word of God. Yes. I have learned from the scriptures and from experience that God will not share intimacy with the church that defiles herself. There's a price to pay, my brother, my sister. The anointing will cost you. As a result of a lack of intimacy, hear me, we are unable to conceive the plans, the purposes of God, the dreams of God, the desires that He desires to bring into this natural world. What happens when a husband and wife share intimacy? What happens? The woman conceives. Amen? No intimacy, no conception. Hello? No spiritual intimacy with the Lord? You're empty. You're not carrying anything from God's heart. The Bible says that God chose a virgin by the name of Mary in a town called Nazareth in order to do what? To bring forth the Savior of the world. I want to emphasize here the fact that Mary was a virgin. That's why God chose her. She was untouched by man. She was undefiled. She was pure. And that is a virtue and a quality that attracts the spirit of the Lord. Hello. It's not our shouting. It's not even our singing. It's the purity of heart. The purity of mind that attracts the spirit of God. And begins to pour into you the desires, the burdens, the plans, the dreams that God has for this present world. Amen. 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 Even so today, God is looking for vessels. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro, the Bible says. And what is He looking for? For vessels that are pure and holy in all manner of conversation so that He may impregnate them with supernatural abilities. (laughs) Impregnate them with visions and dreams that are beyond what you ever thought or imagined according to His will and purpose so that He may give birth To something that did not exist before in your life. Listen to what Paul writes to Timothy concerning this matter. Holiness in the church is what God is looking for. Purity of mind. Purity of walk in all manner of conversation. In our speech. In our walk in our deeds, in our words. Listen to what Paul writes to Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. But in a great house, and he's referring to the house of God, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, If anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the Master, prepared for every good work. My brother, my sister, listen carefully. The responsibility of cleansing ourselves from the wood and the clay which represents the defiling influence of the flesh and the world, that responsibility is on us and not on God. If you don't cleanse yourself, you will not be cleansed. God has already given you a pure and a Holy Spirit. And He expects you to rise up in the power of that recreated spirit endued with the Holy Spirit. And begin to subdue your body by the renewed mind. We have to do the cleaning up of our lives. In order to present to God a vessel that is sanctified and becomes useful for the Lord to work through. Amen? Amen? The same words are used when Paul wrote to the Corinthians. He said in 2nd Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1, Therefore, having these promises beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. Let us cleanse ourselves. From what? From all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God. It's not a very popular message today in the church. And yet a very necessary one. Paul says, let us cleanse ourselves. James, he also says the same thing. The the New Testament is full of these words. Writing to the church, he addresses this very crisis that we are facing today and points the way out of it. His words that James uses are far from being soft or sugar-coated. I want you to listen to these words, which I believe they are very timely for the crisis we are facing today. James chapter 4, verse four, eight, nine, 8, 9, and 10. Notice how he speaks. He says, adulterous and adulteresses. Those are heavy words. Do you not know That friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. He's talking about pursuing what the world pursues. Valuing what the world values. Devoting ourselves to what the world devotes itself to. Draw near to God, he says, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament, mourn, and weep, and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to bloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. I believe there are times when we need to leave the church weeping. Weeping. And being sorrowful. Hmm. Sorrowful for the state of the church. That's a sign of mourning. Blessed are those who mourn. For they shall be comforted. And if we want to be comforted. We have to mourn first. Amen. Amen. Now. Now. These are not words written to sinners, my brother, my sister. These are words written to born-again believers. He addresses his epistle to brethren. He says to them, you committing adultery by developing an affinity and a friendship with the world and its influence. Your mind has not been renewed. You still think like the world thinks. You practice the things that the world practices. And I believe this is a prophetic call from the heart of the Father to His beloved church. It is His mercy that cries out to us today. And I honestly believe that the heart of our Heavenly Father is in a state of perpetual moaning for His prodigal sons and daughters who got swept away by the charm. And the enticements of this present age. Listen to what John Bevere writes in his book. Victory in the Wilderness. Very powerful words. He says too many of the world's methods. Have crept into the church. Much of this worldliness. Is now considered normal Christianity. This carnality has dulled our discernment. And for this reason many in the church are in a crisis situations. They are weak, sick, and some have even died prematurely. The reason may be a poor diet caused by mixing. Listen, mixing the Lord's table with the world's table. One cuisine Weakens the benefit of the other until they cancel each other out. End of quote. Mm. How relevant are those words? How timely. I believe that the cure for worldliness, there's only one cure, yes. and that is the cross of Christ. Amen. The cross needs to be brought back into the church. Amen. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness but unto us it is the power of god listen to what paul says in galatians 6 but god forbid that i should boast except in the cross of our lord jesus christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and i to the world Paul in the above statement he made gives us the cure for worldliness and the cure for worldly living. He embraced the cross fully. Not partly, fully. To him he says the world is dead. The world had no influence over him. Why? Because he died. He died with Christ. And the Bible says, we all died with him when we were baptized. Some of us have not realized that. We come out of the grave. And we want to do our own thing. But Paul says, the world is dead to me and I'm dead to the world. I'm dead to its methods. I'm dead to its opinions. I'm dead to its values. I'm dead to the mannerisms of the world. The world and all its charms had no power over him because he was crucified, according to Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live here, not I. But Christ now lives in me. He lived a life of faith. He lived a life of surrender. He lived a life of commitment. He constantly was led and guided and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. And that is the call and the destiny for every believer in Jesus Christ. He did it not because he was an apostle, because he was a believer. Amen. And so today we have a choice. And the choice is ours. Either we embrace the cross and die to self the world and the devil. Or embrace the crisis. And face the conflict of a double minded person who lives in two worlds at the same time. For years, I believed that Delilah was the cause and the reason for Samson's downfall. But recently, I've embraced a different thought. Sure, Delilah was the instrument that the enemy used to humiliate him but what caused his downfall and what causes our own downfall there was something within Samson that was always attracted to delilah and his her charms there was something in him that drew him to her and that's the uncrucified part of us And James explains that very well. He says, let no one say when he's tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He Himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Do you see that? James says, each one of us is tempted and drawn away from God by our own lusts and fleshly desires. And I say this, that as long as you run away from the cross, as long as the flesh has His way with us, we will always be drawn away by its passions and evil desires. Galatians 5, 24. And those who are Christ's. How many of you are Christ's? Can I see your hand? He's talking about you and me. Those who are Christ's. Have crucified the flesh. With its passions and desires. Who did that? God? No. You do it. God did His part. Now it's our part to do it. Amen. God is not going to do it for you. It's your flesh. It's your body. And God says, you present your body to God. As a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God. Which is your reasonable service. We have to present our bodies to God. God is not going to push us. God is not going to take your body and present it to Him. We have to do that. We have to present our bodies and renew our minds. That's our part, not God. If you don't renew your mind, you will stay the same person for 20, 30 years as a carnal believer. Wanting somebody to pray for you. Wanting somebody to pick you up. Always moaning and groaning and complaining. Pastor, please pray for me. Brother, please pray for me. What's wrong with you? Amen. Amen. We have a church that is filled with babies. You cannot go to war with babies. You need grown men and women. Amen. Who have matured in the Lord. Who are able to take on... The challenges of life. Amen. Amen. Because they've taken the time to present the bodies to God. And to renew their minds with the word of God. Amen. 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 That's what Paul says. I beseech you brethren. He says I beg you by the mercies of God. Present your bodies. As a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God. And over and over again, throughout the New Testament, Scripture after Scripture teaches us that it is our responsibility to do something about our body and our mind. Amen. God has done His part. And His part was, give us a brand new spirit. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. And He says, now you rise up in the power of the Spirit and subdue your body and renew your mind. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Even Paul, the great apostle, who received the gospel of Christ by divine revelation, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, was not immune to this. Listen to what he says in regard to his flesh. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Lest that when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. Notice what Paul says. He says, I, who's the I, he's talking about, the spirit man, the inward man, the holy man within you, I keep my body under. I discipline myself. I subdue the flesh by the spirit. Amen? Amen. And we need to do the same. That's how Jesus lived Mm -hmm. in a human body. He said, Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world comes and he has nothing in me. What a statement to make. The prince of this world came at Jesus with all of his deception and might but you know what he could find nothing in the Lord that belonged to him And I believe that those who have embraced the cross of Christ fully surrendered their lives to the Lord Hallelujah cannot be enticed cannot be manipulated By the Babylonian system. They are dead. You go to someone's grave and you can shout, you can scream, you can spit, you can swear that person. You're not going to have any response. Because he's dead. And scripture says, reckon yourselves dead and alive unto God. Dead to the world. The cross. And I want to conclude with this. This is the key. Peter says, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind for he that has suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men but to the will of god the solution to worldly living and compromise is to arm ourselves with the mind of christ The renewed mind is the key. A renewed mind is the key to a lifestyle of holiness and true righteousness. Why do I say that? Once the mind comes in agreement with your born-again spirit, the body has no choice. Because it's two against one. Hello? the body will have no choice. If you would spend time in the Word of God and renew your thoughts and bring your mind in agreement with your born-again spirit, then the two of you, the two, two-thirds of you, will subdue the body. And you will begin to walk in holiness and true righteousness walk in holiness and true righteousness obey the promptings and the dictates of the spirit amen that is the key the choice is ours And this is, I believe that the greatest need of the church today is a renewed mind. Amen. It is priceless. And that takes diligent study and meditation in the word of God. Most believers today are lazy. They don't feed the spirits. They don't renew the mind. They come to church once a week to hear a sermon, and that's enough. Mm-hmm. You cannot grow, that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen? Yeah. Pastors, yeah. we are struggling to get people into the Word. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I wish that I could break their heads open and pull that knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> Amen? Right. Once you have that knowledge, you don't need counsel. You don't need anybody to pray for you. You pray your own prayers. Not only that, but you, you are able to help others. You become a resource house where you are able to meet the needs of other people. Yes, I don't know what I'm to give Pastor Frank, but I do know this is the word of the Lord. This is a prophetic word from the heart of the Father to his beloved children. <laughs> Awake and put on your strength and your new and Let's pray. Can we stand together, please? Let's open our hearts to the Lord, to his Spirit, to do his work. The word has gone forth. Now it's the Spirit, and the Spirit do his work within you. And if you need to repent of an area in your life, do so. The altar of the Lord is open. Let us draw near to God in humility, in sincerity, and say, God, help me. Be merciful to me. Be patient with me, Lord. Father, bless you this evening. We praise your wonderful name, and we thank you for your precious word today. We thank you for this house, my dear. We thank you, Father, for the father and mother of this house, the sons and spiritual daughters of this house, and we pray that the richness of your grace and the peace that passes knowledge and understanding will be multiplied through the knowledge of You Father and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that You search us, examine us, not to condemn us, but I pray that a conviction will come from Your Spirit of Your goodness and Your loving kindness that will turn us away from the things that steal our joy, our affection, and our passion for humanity. In Jesus precious name, thank you. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.